Listener Production. Rising long-term US interest rates weigh on Wall Street. And Aussie shares expected to open lower on Thursday ahead of key jobs data and Telstra earnings. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Thursday, the 17th of August. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, markets were rocking and rolling last night. There's a whole universe of things that we can unpack, which is always the very satisfying part about what the markets offer. Do you know one of the headlines that stood out to me last night? What was that? The Chinese defense chief visited Belarus for a three-day visit. Wow, that's concerning, given Belarus are fairly tight with Vladimir Putin. It is, and it's an important connection to Asia in terms of the movement of goods into Europe as well. That's, I suppose, again, an example of that intersection between economics and geopolitics. And that would be impossible for us to investigate in an intelligent way because our geopolitical experience is limited. But nonetheless, the point that I'm trying to make is that there's a lot of stuff going on in the periphery of things. Stability in the Russian financial system is certainly under a lot of scrutiny at the moment. You had Argentina a couple of days ago going through some very interesting gyrations of its own. For the studied investor, these things don't go unnoticed because it does bring to the fore the possibility, I hate to use this expression, but it's one that people understand, black swan events. Well, what about grey rhinos? That's <laughs> what the Chinese like to refer to. I've never it, heard that expression. And and that really does refer to those slow hazards that emerge from time to time and we're seeing that in China at the moment with yes. shadow banks, yep. also the property sector, and, and certainly the fallout from COVID with a slowdown in retail spending. And of course, the biggest concern around defaults in that property sector at the moment weighing on that economy. It's a very good point because what interested me in the last couple of days was that it was almost obvious that there was going to be a substantial decline in the local market. And we saw a delay in that, and it took place yesterday with the market down 1.5%. I thought that was forestalled a little bit. I thought it may have happened a day earlier with those very weak figures that we saw out of China. But yesterday we saw the full thrust of that. That The residue of that has been reflected in Northern Hemisphere markets for a couple of days, probably less so last night because there were uh, other distractions both in Europe and the United States, which we'll get to Uh, presently, but just in terms of the equity market performance on Wall Street, the Dow Jones fell by a half of 1%, the NASDAQ down by almost 1.2%, and the S&P 500 was down by around three quarters of a percent. And I suppose to make a rather obvious point, the markets started out around their better levels of the day and ended around their worst levels. And that all came at the hands of the minutes from the last FOMC meeting. Yes, last night we did see the release of the July 25-26 meeting minutes. At that meeting, we did see the Federal Reserve lift interest rates by 25 basis points. And what we heard overnight in terms of the minutes was that most policymakers continue to prioritise their battle against inflation. And most governors on the FOMC, the the board, are not convinced that inflation is totally in the rearview mirror at the moment. So what that means is that the minutes really reiterated many of the core themes that Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, talked about in his July press conference. But there's nothing there to derail our assumption that September will be another skip, although there's another hike potential in November or December, depending on the way the data flows as far as inflation is concerned. 
it's quite fluid. And I suppose what we have discussed over the course of the last week is the emergence of a new range for US Treasuries, being that the higher side of that range has been tested and uh, well and truly extended now. We saw another example of that last night. Whilst the absolute moves at the close weren't that great, we saw two-year Treasury notes up by two basis points uh, to 4.98%, a 10-year up more robustly, 5.5 points to around uh, 4.27%. The point is that ceiling is being shifted higher incrementally, and that is, uh, I suppose, what they call that boiling frog syndrome, the raising of the temperature slowly. I don't know why the poor amphibious creatures are singled out for this sort of treatment. It's quite an unfortunate expression, isn't it, for frogs? Why would you want to boil a frog, honestly? But anyway, the point is that uh, this march higher, on a chart, it, it looks quite threatening. It does, moment. and what we did see last night was the 10-year hit 4.28%. That's the highest level in 10 months. So as you mentioned, those yields are lifting at the moment, and the recent run of data suggests that the US economy remains firm. So we've seen recent third-quarter GDP estimates coupled with fresh retail sales data, and of course at the same time last night we saw some reasonably strong housing data. So new US home construction rose in July on strength in single-family projects and limited supply in the resale market. So residential house starts increased by 3.9% last month to 1.45 million annualised rates. So broadly what we're seeing is strength underpinning the economy, and that's certainly not what the Fed wants to see as they navigate the so-called last mile towards achieving price stability. Something that we've also seen in the last couple of days has been stronger than expected consumer measures, retail sales, and uh, that has converged with the real world in terms of the earnings numbers that we have seen uh, out of Home Depot. Home Depot was one of the better improvers amongst a small cohort in the Dow uh, overnight. It was uh, up by around a half of 1%, bucking the trend. But we also heard from Target last night, Ryan, which did the same. And not to be confused with Target in Australia, which is owned by Wes Farmers. Target in the United States, a separate entity, its shares were up by 3% after its second quarter earnings beat expectations, despite its sales falling short of estimates. But it's cut its full year sales and profit forecasts as it tries to win over shoppers who are watching their wallets and purses at the moment. Target said a backlash to its Pride Month collection contributed to weaker sales. The great thing about the Dow is it's a nice cross-section of the US economy and it gives us a sense of what the broader trends were in the market. So technology stocks were weighed down by that move higher in bond yields. Intel shares were down by more than 3.5%. Procter & Gamble was down 1.5%. So anything that you buy for your home is pretty much caught within that organization's products and services. Caterpillar was down by a percent, as was McDonald's. So financials also took a bit of a knock yesterday. So Goldman Sachs down by about a percent and Boeing was equally down uh, by about the same amount. Yes, it was a broad-based sell-off last night led by tech. We saw meta platforms, Amazon.com and Tesla down by up to 3%. So really the higher interest rates, concerns about inflation, the Fed minutes and the stronger than expected economic data suggests that we're going to have higher for longer when it comes to interest rates and that weight on tech shares. And an interesting evolution of the story around US Steel, which has had a bid made for it by Cleveland Cliffs, 
there have been suggestions that the European steel giant ArcelorMittal is uh, dipping into this conversation as well. So they are one of the leading steel producers globally with a European focus. They generate about half of their sales in that neighbourhood, but they also have a significant footprint in the US where they generate about a third of their revenue. So this would be a rather handy addition to that portfolio. Of course, that would have implications for European markets and what we did see in Europe overnight, Tom, was a fairly modest session. The FTSE Euro First 300 index was flat. The German DAX index was up 0.1%, but all eyes were on the UK overnight after the release of inflation data. And what we did see there is the annual consumer price index cool to 6.8% in July from June 7.9%. It's down from last October's peak of 11.1%. But if you look underneath the bonnet there, Tom, Core inflation, which excludes energy and food prices, that remained at 6.9%. And services inflation, which mostly reflects homegrown inflation pressures from wages, rose to 7.4% from 7.2%, higher than the Bank of England's forecast, and that keeps them on alert for higher interest rates. I suppose whilst those numbers weren't that much higher than expected for the core, it was like expected to come in at 6.8 versus the 6.9 that we got. The symbolism of that was enough, and particularly coming on the back of those hotter wages numbers that we saw the day before, that was enough for the gilts to uh, get lit as the kids say. So uh, gilts, of course, are the equivalent of government bonds uh, elsewhere. Well, that's what they call their government bonds. Two-year gilts up by seven basis points to 5.16%. That's a decent move for the two years. The 10 years up 10 basis points to 4.63. Again, similar to what we've seen in the US interest rate markets, a new range on the top side being established where uh, rates are concerned. And that is another factor that's creating a bit of a head breeze for stocks. And we saw the UK FTSE 100 index down 0.4%. It was the worst performer in Europe on the back of those concerns. So the uh, commonality between uh, those outcomes that point to higher interest rates, both in the UK and the US, is that you have seen those currencies move higher. So at the moment, we're looking at the US dollar at a two-month high. It's been on quite the march since the middle part of July, really. It's risen by about 4% where the US dollar index is concerned. And when you see that, you tend to see an underperformance where commodity prices have been concerned. And that has been a fallout of the move higher for US interest rates overnight. You've seen downward pressure for most commodity prices. Uh, Oil weaker. It's at a three-week low. It's fallen by about 5% this week. It has, which is a little bit surprising. It's all about Chinese demand at the moment, of course, some weakness there. But we did see a large drawdown in US stocks last week. US crude inventories fell by 5.96 million barrels and that compared with analyst expectations for a 2.3 million barrel drop. So US demand remains firm, but of course, everyone's concerned about the Chinese backdrop at the moment, Tom. And of course, we're seeing those intensity of financial pressures building in China at the moment in the property and shadow banking sectors, worries about local government debt, and that could threaten to spill over and increase contagion risks and therefore social stability, which we have seen with the removal of the youth unemployment rate from the data set from the National Bureau of Statistics in China. It's kind of nice, isn't it, when you don't like a piece of economic news, you say, okay, we're not going to look at that anymore. We're not going to release that one anymore because the kids might be upset. (laughs) Now, the other thing to note as well is we saw China's new home prices fall for the first time this year in July. That was released yesterday. 
And that also had a big impact on industrial metals. So copper was down 0.3%, aluminium was down 0.1%. We did see iron ore hold up though. Uh, it was up just one cent to 104.81 US dollars a tonne. And we did see plants in Jingsu report they've reduced steel production by between 20% and 30% from first half year levels, according to My Steel. So mills are reducing their production levels and that could have a big impact on iron ore prices into the back end of this year. Indeed. So the backdrop of that points to a decline for the ASX 200 when we kick off later on this morning. The SPY futures are lower by 22 points or a third of a percent, uh, having seen a 1.5% decline for the ASX 200 yesterday, a very robust sell-off. And today we have a procession of local organisations reporting their earnings, Ryan. Gee, there's a lot of companies today. There's around 30, Tom. I won't go through them no. all because there's too many, but the one that stands out to me apart from Westpac is Telstra. So today when that's released, investors should look out for cost-cutting measures, which will be in the spotlight when the Australian Telco reports its full-year earnings, following news that it axed about 500 roles in its first major round of job cuts under CEO Vicky Brady. The cuts are part of Telstra's plan to reduce fixed costs by $500 million under its strategic T25 plan. Of course, this comes after the Australian telecom firms Telstra and TPG Telecom recently said separately they would not appeal the country's competition tribunal's decision to block an asset transfer deal between the two telecom giants. So Telstra's second half underlying EBITDA or earnings could climb at least 8% and deliver on its 7.8 to $8 billion full-year target. Expects mobile division to be a key earnings driver Recovery in roaming services could offset potential churn from pricier plans and rising fixed costs largely driven by labour may cap margin. So look out for that. And of course, we've got the jobs report. That's right. If you've got room after the degustation of corporates reporting their results, we've got the July unemployment report, which will be very important in relation to calibrating expectations around what the RBA does next. Absolutely. We're expecting continued strength in the labour market with labour demand generating 20,000 jobs in the month of July. That's after we saw 33,000 jobs added in June. The participation rate is expected to remain steady at 66.8% near record highs, and that could push the unemployment rate a touch higher to 3.6% from 3.5%, broadly around 50-year lows at the moment. We have seen online job vacancies remain near 14-year highs, they increased by 2.1% in July. That data was released yesterday. They've currently got 283,626 job vacancies around the country, according to Jobs and Skills Australia. We did see six measure of job ads rise by 0.8% last month, with hospitality and tourism ads up 12.4%, likely due to the FIFA Women's World Cup and abnormal demand for staff. So broadly, we are seeing continued labour market strength. However, we are seeing extremely high migration flows at the moment. They're increasing labour supply, and we have seen some of those job vacancies begin to ease from very high levels, and what that suggests is unemployment could move higher incrementally by the end of this year. And the robustness that we have seen lately when it comes to employment might be something of a salvation for the Aussie dollar 
at the moment because it has been beaten up. The more dovish position of the RBA, the strength of the US dollar has relegated it consistently in recent times and even overnight, uh, having been as high as 64.8 US cents. It's back to around 64.2. So it looks like it's going to be caravan park holidays, perhaps uh, for you and I, Ryan, uh, in the medium term with the Aussie dollar. Absolutely. 64.16, the Aussie dollar got down to overnight. And that's probably the last level since last year. And what it does mean, of course, is there are concerns about imported inflation on the back of this. A weaker... Aussie dollar means that you have to pay more for everything that you bring in offshore. Anyway, what a wonderful conversation we've had this morning, Ryan. We could go on for a lot longer, but uh, I'm sure the listener has more important things to do than listen to you and I prattle on. So have a great day and uh, we will speak to you again tomorrow morning. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.